Good morning, friends. Good morning. All right. Did I wake you up? All right. Well, welcome to church this morning. My name is Pastor Leon McKenzie or Pastor Mac, if we had not had the opportunity to meet. And it looks like I've met the majority of us here. So good to see your faces. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Sister in the back. Praise God that I'm able to preach to some faces and not a small little camera at the top of a computer screen. Amen. Amen. So that means I need, I need the feedback. I don't want to feel like I'm preaching to the little screen again. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. There we go. Thank you, Barry. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. So thankful to be with all of you this morning. One of the fairly distinct things about our church, about Redeemer Community Church, is that we are an Anglican church. And some of you, especially if you're very new here, you probably didn't even know that about us. But the truth is that we're, we're all fairly new to Anglicanism, whether we've been here for a while or not. And, and we're all discovering this Anglican thing together. And um, as I was, uh, well, even before that, as we know, we are in the Lent season, which is a very common Anglican practice which is the 40-day season between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. And during this season, we, we typically fast from something, right? We, we fast from maybe social media. I know some people are fasting from different foods, uh, sugary foods. Some of you are fasting from caffeine. That's why, you know, it's, you're struggling this morning. Amen? But we typically fast from something, and we take the season to... To take a deep dive into the brokenness, right, of human nature, uh, uh, we consider our own mortality, our sinfulness, and, and all the issues of just being human in this broken world. And above all, we take the time to recognize the things that we've been putting our trust in or relying in outside of the Lord God and his all Sufficiency, And so what we do is we take this season to reposition ourselves, right, or to reorient ourselves to make sure that our allegiances, our, our, our dependence is on God and not on these other things. That's ultimately the purpose of our fasting in Lent. But if you've ever taken part in Lent or if you've ever fasted at all before, you realize that it, it can be challenging. Amen? Fasting can be challenging and it's meant to be that way. It's meant to be that way to kind of show us those places in our lives where we've been dependent on something else for our comfort other than the Lord. But it's about this time, right, the halfway point during this Lenten season that you may be tempted to start to give up on some of the fasting. Right? Or is it just me? Right? You, you, you decide to, to um, you know, you gave up sugar, but that one cookie ain't going to hurt. Right? You know, you, you, you gave up Netflix, but you had to binge watch one show because it was about to go. It was about to leave, right? Netflix. But here's the good news, right? As I was studying for this sermon, I learned something. That today is actually called Latare Sunday. Everybody say Latare. Latare Sunday. And Latare Sunday serves as one of the two refreshment Sundays of Lent. And so it's one of the Sundays right in the middle of Lent where you're able to take a respite, if you will, from your Lenten fast. You take a little break, right? So, so if you had that cookie yesterday, you did it on the right weekend, right? Amen. And so 
Today is Latare Sunday, and I think that this particular text we're going to preach about, that I'm going to preach about today, we're going to talk about today, is, is really fitting. Because we'll see that Jesus himself serves as the refreshment that we need. And the nourishment that we need. We'll see that Jesus himself provides all that we need, especially when we lack what we need and can't provide for ourselves. And so we're going to read from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. We'll pray together and then we'll dig in. And so if you have your Bibles, you turn to John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, or you can read along in the bulletin. And just for... A heads up, the title of this sermon today is, It's a Setup. And so let's read John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. It says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far side, to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming toward him. And he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will it go among so many? Jesus said, have the people to sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same thing with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely... This is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Oh, man, Lord, I'm just so grateful to be here with my family. And we thank you that you are here with us. Lord, as I endeavor to preach this sermon, I pray that you would be with me in a very special way. You would grant me Holy Spirit. And through me, Holy Spirit, would you preach your word with clarity, with conviction. Oh Lord, would you make it that your word would accomplish in the hearts and minds of every single person present, every person even hearing afar, walking by, exactly what it is you've sent your word for to do this morning, this sermon. Keep heresy far from my mouth. And above all, Lord Jesus, may your name be lifted on high and glorified in the hearts of every person that hears. Be glorified this day. We love and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And so before we jump into the text this morning, 
I want you to do something that we don't do here at Redeemer a whole lot. And so I want you to do this. I want you to take a look at your neighbor. That means the person in the square closest to yours. Not the person in your square. Look across. Right? And I want you to say, neighbor. Say it so they can hear. Say, neighbor. It's a setup. I want you to look at your neighbor again. I want you to say, neighbor. He's just setting us up. Amen. Now, why in the world did I have you guys do that? Just sit tight. I'll explain it in a second. It'll make sense. And before we get to that, let's take a look at the passage we read this morning in John chapter 6, right? So it tells us that after a time of preaching and teaching and healing the people of Jerusalem, Jesus crosses over the Sea of Galilee and he goes up onto a mountainside with his disciples and It's very likely that Jesus leaves the crowds because he's trying to get some respite, some time of rest with just he and his disciples. And the people realize, they figure out where Jesus is going, where he's trying to get away to, and they follow him. And they follow him likely because of all the signs of healing that he'd been performing. Likely they wanted some healing and some signs performed for them as well. And so Jesus sees the people climbing the mountainside, which is more likely a a large hill more than a mountain. And seeing the people come to him, Jesus turns to Philip. Specifically, he looks at Philip, one of his disciples, and he asks a pretty random question. He says, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, I want us all to to take a moment and and put ourselves in in Philip's shoes for a second, right? Because I bet Philip's first thought when he heard Jesus ask this fairly random question was, why in the world is Jesus asking me about feeding these people? What kind of question is this, right? It's kind of like you've ever been hanging out with your friends, you're laughing, you're talking, and one of them just out of the blue asks, you know, like, why is the sky blue? And you all look at him, you know, are you tripping? You know, you know, we're just hanging out, right? And, 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 and so, so this is probably how random Jesus' question felt. But the apostle John, who writes this account, who writes this story, he tells us that Jesus asked this seemingly random question for a very special reason. He says to test Philip. Now, the word that's translated as test in our English Bibles comes from a Greek word with a wide range of meanings, of glosses. And in this particular case, it carries the meaning of to examine. Jesus asked Philip this question in order for, in order for him, for Philip, to reveal what he understood in his heart to be true about Jesus. But Jesus asked him this so that in response, he could reveal to Philip what was in fact true about himself. In other words, brothers and sisters, it was a setup in the best possible sense of the phrase. Jesus was setting Philip and the disciples up to experience Jesus' glory as the all-sufficient and all-powerful God of the universe. Jesus was setting them up so that they could see that he is indeed the Messiah, 
that he is indeed the God-man, that he is indeed the Almighty One himself. You see, Jesus was setting them up to experience that he is the God with whom and for whom nothing is impossible. And so look at your neighbor again and say, neighbor, it's only a setup. You see, because you may be here this morning and you're wondering, how am I going to make this thing that I need to happen, happen? You may be here this morning and you're trying to figure out how in the world is this situation in my life going to work out? How in the world am I and my family going to make it through this one? And I want you to hear from the Apostle John this morning that Jesus is just setting you up to reveal his glory in and through your life. Jesus is setting you up to experience that he is worthy of your dependence and your faith. Well, in revealing his glory to the disciples, Jesus communicates two very important truths about himself that I think it would be helpful for us to recognize about Jesus, especially if you find yourself wondering, how in the world is this going to happen? How are we going to make it through? And the first thing I think Jesus reveals about himself is this, brothers and sisters, is that Jesus does a whole lot with just a little bit. Jesus does a whole lot with just a little bit. Now, before we get down on, on Philip, who, who answers this question seemingly with a lack of faith, let's just acknowledge the truth, right? The truth of Philip's answer, right, that, that it would take so much money to feed everybody, that the fact of the matter is, he's correct, humanly speaking. Humanly speaking, Philip is speaking facts because it's believed that the crowd that came to Jesus numbered somewhere in the ballpark of about 20,000 people when you included women and children. And Philip's just doing basic math. Based on what a meal would cost back then, feeding them would require way more money than they had on hand. But then Andrew, being the seemingly resourceful person that that he was, right? He, he finds a boy with five small pieces of bread and two little fish. And now again, I want you to, I, I, I want you to put yourselves in, in Andrew's shoes here for a second, right? Because I think Andrew's actions were, were, were sincere. They were honest. Andrew was legitimately trying to help, right? He brought this little boy and his bread and his fish to Jesus, hoping that truly this little bit could help endeavor to feed all of these people. Right? He was trying to do whatever he could. But now if we put ourselves in Andrew's shoes, or better yet, put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples who are witnessing Andrew bring this little bit of food to Jesus, what, what would you be thinking? Because I'd be thinking, like, for real, Andrew? Like, this, this small, this bread, this little bit of fish to feed so many but not, not Jesus, right? Because Jesus takes the little bit that Andrew brought him, that ridiculously small amount of food, and he gives thanks for it. 
He gives thanks for it. And then he distributes it among the people. And as he's distributing, a thousand people get fed. And then 2,000 people get fed. And then 10,000 people until every single person of the 20,000 people get some bread and some fish. And not just a little bit either, right? John tells us that each ate as much as they wanted. And when everyone had eaten their full, their fill, there was still a little bit left over. Brothers and sisters, Jesus can do a whole lot. Scratch that. Jesus does a whole lot with just a little bit. And so here's the question for us this morning, brothers and sisters. What do you have? I think about the Capital One question. What's in your wallet? But we're not asking that. We're saying, what do you have this morning? You may have sensed God leading you to give in a certain way. Or you've been, you, 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 you've sensed God calling you, to serve, calling you to serve in a certain way. But you've been hesitant or even afraid because, like Philip, you've done the math and you know that the little that you have will not go very far. Well, brothers and sisters, like Andrew, I dare you, I encourage you to take that little bit that you have and give it to Jesus. Take that little bit that you have and bring it to Jesus. Get busy doing what you can do with what you have and trust Jesus to multiply it in order to accomplish exactly what he desires it to accomplish. Often we get caught up in how much the next person has, right? or how much the next person is seemingly accomplished, and we allow that to cripple us, right? We allow that to stop us from, from serving, from, from giving the little that we have to Jesus and to his service. Well, let me, let me just encourage us all, okay? What you have, okay? What you have may not reach 20,000 people, but we have to keep this in mind, okay? We have to keep in mind that it is not about us. It's not about you and me, brothers and sisters. It's about Jesus and his glory. The fact of the matter is this. Jesus can and will do far more with and through whatever gifts, whatever talents, and whatever amount of time that we give him. And he will do more than we could have ever accomplished on our own, brothers and sisters. Our job is simply to offer whatever little bit we have to him in faith and watch him do with it as he wills. Be faithful and trust him with the rest. Amen? Be faithful and trust him with the rest. But the second thing Jesus reveals about himself through this miraculous sign, through this setup, is this. He reveals that Jesus himself is the bread of life who sustains into eternity. So if you're looking at your Bibles, in, in, in verse 14 of chapter 6, the people, they identify Jesus as the prophet who is to come into the world. And if you remember, not too long ago, Pastor Drew preached a sermon on this event. 
And this is an, an, um, this alludes to what, what Moses promises the Israelites in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse, verse 15 when Moses says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from among your fellow Israelites. And Moses says, You must listen to him. And so Jesus miraculously feeding them with the five loaves and the two small fish, it likely reminded them of the manna, the miraculous manna from heaven that Moses called down and fed the Israelites with. And considering that reminded them of the promise of Moses that there would be another prophet to come to feed them like he did. However, like the Israelites of Moses' day, the Jews of Jesus' day were misunderstanding the full scope of the miraculous bread from heaven that came to feed the, pe to feed the people. You see, Moses called down bread from heaven to feed the people, but Jesus is himself the bread that has come down from heaven for us. You see, Moses brought forth water from a rock, but Jesus is himself the living water that is springing up unto eternal life within us. Amen? This is why Jesus says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And brothers and sisters, herein lies the danger of assuming that Jesus was just another good man or just another prophet from God. The Bible tells us explicitly that Jesus is infinitely more than any mere man or prophet that has ever worked walked the earth. You see, whereas other prophets spoke the word of God to the people of God, Jesus is the word of God and God himself in the flesh. And so when Jesus distributed the five small loaves and the two small fish to feed the multitude of people, Jesus was foreshadowing how his body would be broken on the cross. Jesus was foreshadowing how his body would be bruised and battered, killed on that cross, and through faith it would be distributed to the world to sustain many unto eternal life. And with all that said, brothers and sisters, I have one more question for you this morning. And it's simply this. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Yeah, I know. I know you are. We're talking about something else. The question is, do you hunger for forgiveness this morning? Do you hunger for a God and a Father who knows exactly who you are and knows exactly what you've done but still loves you anyway? If so, friend, the good news is that Jesus is here this morning. The bread of life is here this morning to satisfy that hunger. You need only to believe that he is indeed that bread of life. You need only to trust in his fully satisfying nutrition that comes from receiving him by faith. 
Here at Redeemer, we're blessed to take communion every week. Every Sunday we take communion. And it's not just something cute or traditional that we do, brothers and sisters. Later on in John chapter 6, verse 55, Jesus tells his, his disciples and those listening, he says that my food, my body is real food and my blood is real drink. And we believe, brothers and sisters, that through the gift of communion, Jesus' body and his blood are mysteriously present in the bread and juice that we take. And when we take of these consecrated elements through faith, through faith, just taking this bread and this juice does nothing. It's through faith. We are indeed partaking of eternal life. We are indeed experiencing life forever with God in heaven, starting now. Starting now. And so the question is, are you hungry this morning? Because Jesus is here to fill you if you are ready. He is here to feed you until you want no more. just a setup just a setup for us to see how glorious our God is let's pray together friends dear Lord thank you so much for your word and Jesus thank you so much for your life lived for us the death you died for us Thank you, Father God, for your resurrection power, which is alive and available to us. My prayer is that this day, if there be any hungry indeed this morning, that you would feed us. You would feed us unto eternal life. If there's anyone here this morning, Lord God, who's struggling, anyone, Father, who's just, who's just uh, exhausted on the journey, that you would grant us all a drink of that water. Keep us going unto eternal life. Lord, we love and we thank you. In Jesus' name.